while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Hello and welcome to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. Well, if it seems we're still fighting to keep our democratic republic, as Ben Franklin challenged, proven necessary by the attack on our Capitol building in our non-state capital city of Washington, D.C., as President Biden has certainly accelerated vaccinations to save Americans from the global pandemic of COVID-19 and SARS-CoV-2. But sometimes our news media focuses so much on two or three headlines, we don't get updates in other noteworthy current events, like climate change, or a renewed urgency to suppress election voting in more than 40 states. And it's not just happening in the South. What our 2020 election and January 6, 2021 insurrection prove is that democracy itself needs the number of informed American voters to continually increase, especially in areas where voting has always been selectively challenged by Jim Crow, gerrymandering, misleading mail, and polling places closing with little or no warning to voters. Our guest today is Andrea Miller, the Executive Director of People Demanding Action, a multi-issue advocacy group, a non-profit that promotes clean energy in Virginia and nationwide. Andrea is a former congressional candidate, a fierce advocate of solar energy, climate justice, and as the co-founder of the CenterForCommonGround.org, Andrea Miller has never stopped keeping voters focused on the issues that affect their daily lives. She consistently advocates for fair voting practices, reclaiming our vote, and organizing for justice. And in our 2018 elections, Andrea designed and developed virtual phone banks for outreach to underrepresented voters in Virginia, Alabama, and Pennsylvania, which had great impact on our 2020 election. And that work continues even as we speak in states like Georgia, Texas, Iowa, and Arizona. 
I invited Andrea Miller to return to the Reasonable Voices program to give us updates on what she is doing, why she is doing it, and where and how we can join her in this mission to guarantee everyone who is eligible to vote to exercise the privilege to vote. So welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program, Andrea Miller. How are you today? I am great, Marge Kello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're both on the run, but no one runs as fast or as too many places as you. And one of those places that I mentioned in the introduction, of course, is you're being the co-founder of the Center for Common Ground. Maybe briefly you can tell us what its mission is and how long has uh, it been pursuing that mission? Well, the Center for Common Ground is a nonprofit. As a matter of fact, we're a 501c3. And we've got a very, very simple mission, and that is to empower underrepresented voters to fully participate in democracy. So it's a very, very, very simple ideal. That means we want to make certain that underrepresented communities, communities of color, young people have the ability to vote and also have an understanding of what is going on in their state government and the federal government. It's really interesting and amazing that most Americans have no idea what is going on in government. Maybe they know a little bit about their federal government. They know very little about state government, which generally impacts them a lot more than the federal government. And they know even less about local government, which impacts them every day of their lives. And to be clear about what you mean local government, in addition to mayors and cities, you're talking about governors and state legislatures? Well, that would be your state. So, yes, local is city council and your mayor. So that's local. Yes. Okay, I just wanted to clear. So when you say local, you mean local. I should have known. Right, I, right, right. Local is local. Yes. <laughs> I also mentioned in the intro that you uh, designed a phone bank in the t 2018 election and, and, of course, implemented it then. But you are now doing a phone bank in Georgia and Arizona and Iowa and Texas and other states. <laughs> Tell us about that. It did phone banks in nine states for the 2020 election. Alabama, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, and Virginia. And these were all phone banks regarding voting. So they were voter registration, letting people know you may no longer be registered to vote because you've missed two or more federal elections. So check your voter registration status. And if you are no longer registered to vote, you might need to look at getting re-registered. And here's how. We did a ton of vote-by-mail training for Texas voters who were 65 and over. Because remember, in 2020, we were dealing with COVID. So that meant that people 
who had never considered voting by mail now had to really look at vote by mail as a real probability because as an older voter, they were far more susceptible to COVID than younger voters. So they were going to need to change their lifelong methodology of how they would usually vote. So we helped a lot of voters with that. And then in the runoff election, most people really don't expect to be voting in January. So we made sure that the voters in Georgia knew there was a statewide election in January and that they were voting for their two U.S. senators and public service commissioner. Mm. So can you connect for us H.R. 1 and Bloody Sunday, historically Bloody Sunday? Well, that was just the name of the wonderful program that the voter circle did last night because we were commemorating the 56th anniversary of Bloody Sunday. So again, if people don't know what Bloody Sunday is or was, that was when about 600 marchers were marching from Selma, Alabama to Montgomery, Alabama. And when they crossed the Edmund Pettus Bridge, they were literally attacked and beaten by the Alabama police. So that's where the term bloody Sunday comes from. There were dogs, police had clubs, the marchers were all unarmed, and they were beaten. Men, women, children, everybody that was marching, you were a potential target of the police. And again, these folks were marching for voting rights, the right to vote. Just because I'm a citizen, I have a right to register. No, I don't want to guess how many bubbles a bar of soap makes. No, I don't want to guess how many marbles or jelly beans are in a jar. And no, you do not need to make me recite random portions of the Constitution when you do not require the same thing of white voters. So that's what the march from Selma to Montgomery was all about. It was about voting rights. So now in 2021, we find ourselves with a very theoretical right to vote, but with state legislatures trying to roll back and make it much harder to vote. For instance, Georgia has had no excuse absentee voting since 2005. So all of a sudden now they're introducing legislation where they're saying, oh, no, 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 no. You have to have an excuse to vote absentee. It had been working since 2005, but suddenly in 2020, because young people, communities of color used vote by mail, no excuse. Obviously, there must be a problem. Hmm. Georgia, 
is now saying that if they're going to have drop boxes at all, drop boxes must be at early voting locations. They can only be available when the early voting location is open. And they're also saying that it needs to be able to scan a photo ID. Well, if all those things are required, why are you even bothering with drop boxes? Why don't you mm. just say we're going to eliminate drop boxes and you're going to have to early vote? Mm. I mean, it doesn't even make sense to spend the money on drop boxes. The whole idea is that it's going to be somewhere convenient where people can drop off their vote by mail ballot if they aren't comfortable putting it in the mail. Let's now go over and look at a state like Arizona. Mm. 2.3 million voters in Arizona are over the age of 60. It's a retirement state like Florida. Mm. Arizona has something called the permanent early voting list where you can say, hey, I'm a registered voter and I would like to permanently vote by mail. So every time there's an election and I'm eligible to vote, just drop my ballot in the mail, I'll vote it, and then I'll get it back. Well, all of a sudden now they're saying, well, you know, um, we think we're going to have to start limiting who can use the permanent early voting list. So if you haven't voted in the last two federal elections. All right. Now, again, remember, a lot of these people are seniors. So the last two federal elections, one year I was sick. I meant to vote, but I was sick and I missed it. Another year, I couldn't stand any of the candidates. So in my own little private protest, I didn't vote. So now you're telling me you're going to remove me from the permanent early voting list? What? Yeah. Now, here's a new personal favorite, New Hampshire. This bill repeals the consideration of a student's educational institution as his or her place of domicile for voting purposes. And then there's another bill that says you cannot use your student ID as voter ID. Mm. So wait a minute, if I'm a student and I live on campus, uh, where am I supposed to say I live? Exactly. Uh, oh, and now here's my personal favorite. Okay. The great state of Washington, where most people vote by mail. I mean, almost nobody goes to vote in parts and they can. Most people vote by mail. They've voted by mail for decades. Someone introduced a bill that says nobody can vote by mail. You have to go vote in person. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. It's ridiculous. It, so it, it really is a renewed sense of urgency, as I said in the intro, about of trying to suppress the vote is what's going on. And it's not just in the South, as you, you're pointing out. I mean, if you're talking about the state of Washington. All over the country. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Washington State, the last time I looked, was Pacific Northwest. Yes. And the last time I looked, New Hampshire was in New England. That's right. That's right. Well, what's, uh, what's sort of opened the door to this? Does it have anything to do with the Supreme Court and that decision in 2013 to gut the Voting Rights Act? Is that sort of 
open no, the door? not really. Uh-huh. Uh, that made it possible for states to change their voting rules and their voting laws without getting it pre-cleared through the Department of Justice. What really sparked it was the falsehood that people were voting illegally in the 2020 election. And so all of a sudden now we have states trying to make it far more difficult for citizens to vote. Now remember, vote by mail until last year was predominantly used by older white Republican voters. They had always been the primary users of vote by mail. And through major, major efforts and outreach by many, 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 many organizations, we introduced that concept to community of color voters, to young voters. Community of color voters fought so hard for the ability to walk in the door and vote Mm. that normally vote by mail was not anything that ever made their voting plan. Their voting plan in states where it existed was, am I going to vote in person early or am I going to vote in person on election day? Suddenly now, vote by mail became, eh, maybe I really do need to think about voting by mail rather than showing up and voting in person. Because remember, in a lot of southern states, if you showed up to vote in person, you could be in line two, three, five, seven hours. Yes. Yes. And before that, there was always, of course, the literacy tests and various other things. This is really a legacy of prejudice and bigotry. It's not a new thing. It's just been refueled and retooled, I guess, too. Well, well, the way I put it, Marcello, is we are no longer in the Jim Crow era. We are in the Joffrey Crow Esquire era. Ah, very well put. All right, we're going to take a short break. My guest today, Andrea Miller, the co-founder of the Center for CommonGround.org, When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the specifics that that organization, which she co-founded, is using phone banks and how they can use your help to educate the voters on state and local level elections, because those are the elections that most intersect, impact, and affect the lives of voters across the country. So we'll be right back. Please stay with us with Andrea Miller. Welcome to the Andy Fell Minute. In history class, most of us learn that the Civil War ended the institution of slavery in America. The 13th Amendment declared that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude should be legal in the land, except as a punishment for crime. It is this conspicuous loophole that award-winning director Ava DuVernay explores in her blistering documentary, 13th. Through a series of interviews with academics, businessmen, and politicians from both sides of the aisle, along with horrific historical photographs and modern video footage, 13th 
makes the case that slavery never disappeared in America. It only changed form. First with the Jim Crow laws of the South, then in the 80s as the war on drugs, and now with the disproportionate mass incarceration of black Americans. The subject matter is difficult, but DuVernay has edited the film so as to make it impossible to turn away. There are no moments of silence, no places to catch your breath. Hip-hop lyrics punctuate the film's segments, relentless in their plea for justice. If ever a film deserved to become required viewing across America, it would be 13th. Watch it tonight. 13th. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and our guest today is a repeat guest, good friend, political mentor, Andrea Miller, the co-founder of the CenterForCommonGround.org. We've mentioned that in 2018 and 2020, how much Andrea Miller was able to help voters understand their options to vote through phone banks and other ways. She's done many things. We won't go into it now because I I want to spend what little time we have left talking about what, well, let's put it this way, 40 state legislatures introducing bills to suppress the vote. And it's not just the South, as I said, but in deep red states like Georgia, Texas, even Iowa and Arizona, if it's a Republican-dominated legislature and they pass a bill, that bill will be signed into law by that Republican governor. So that's the battlefield, if you will. And I'd like, uh, Andrea, now if you could tell us, uh, how does your phone banks work with the people outside of your target states and with phone calls from out of state? How does how does that piece of it work? Well, what we're doing, Marcello, is we are calling voters in these states with the most egregious legislation. So right now we're calling folks in Georgia and we're calling folks in Arizona. And we're calling them because we've got these really bad bills that have passed one chamber and they've crossed over into the other chamber. And as you said, if they pass in the other chamber, a bill gets passed in the Senate and then it goes over to the House. If it passes into the House, then it's going to go to the governor's desk for to sign it. And in many states where it's a trifecta, the House, the Senate, and the governor are all the same party, well, a lot of these bills probably would have passed. But We've been running phone banks. There were 45 bills introduced into the Georgia State Legislature. Right now, we're looking at about four bills that survived in the Senate and one main bill that survived in the House. So we call voters in Georgia, doesn't matter where you live. We call Georgia voters, and we specifically are targeting voters who voted by mail. And we're letting them know what's going on in their Georgia State House, and we're giving them the opportunity to speak to either their state senator or their state representative to say, I disagree with this. I'm a voter. I voted by mail. That was very important for me to be able to do that. So 
Um, people who want to do that, we pass them through directly to their state legislatures. We also did a texting program where we have, they're called advocacy alerts, mm. where it just lets voters know what's going on. And it says, are you on Twitter? You are. Sign in and then you can tweet people. Oh, are you on email? Do you want to email people? Click here and you can email your legislators. And do you want to make a phone call? Click here and here's their phone number. So that's what we're doing right now in Georgia, Arizona. We're getting ready to add Florida. We've got some very bad bills in Florida. And what's really sad is we had some very good bills in Georgia, and none of the good bills passed, only the bad ones. Mm. Now, let me tell you what else we're getting ready to do. Okay. We know that if these bills pass in the other chamber and the governor sign them, then these bills will become the law of that particular state, unless unless we pass federal law that says, wait a minute, there are now new rules. So while many states are trying to get rid of no excuse absentee voting, the For the People Act says all 50 states, you are going to have no excuse absentee voting. I mean, Virginia got no excuse absentee voting only last year because of COVID and the governor signed an executive order. Now, Virginia did pass a law this year, so we do now fully have no excuse absentee voting and no witness signature is required. That's actually what we passed this year. Georgia is requiring a witness signature if you want to vote by mail, and they are requiring that you send in your photo ID with your application. Can I tell you what a horrible idea that is? Mm. Mailing your driver's license that has your name, your address, and your driver's license number, putting that in the mail twice, wants to request your absentee ballot, and then again, when you get your absentee ballot, do I need to tell anybody what an invasion potential privacy problem that creates? Because they want you to send the document, not just the number. They want a photocopy of the document. What if that falls into the wrong hands? Do they really know who the people are who are opening the mail in these various little county departments? Talk about creating major problems. Exactly. Also, there are some states where they don't have early voting. Mississippi does not have early voting. Virginia just got early voting literally last year. Or the People Act says every state will have 15 days of early voting and any voter can early vote. So any voter will be able to early vote. Any voter will be able to vote by mail. They are not going to need to send in photo ID. They are also not going to be required to 
have a witness signature and we are not going to limit who has the ability to drop off the ballot. I always think of rural older voters who still are managing to live at home, but they no longer drive. Mm. So now suddenly they are going to have to remember to do a signed release to have a neighbor drop off their vote by mail ballot. You, what? What is this? What kind of world are we living in? Oh, you're going to love this one. Tennessee wanted people to be fingerprinted to oh, vote by mail. Oh, Suddenly, everybody who's trying to vote is a criminal? What? Well, clearly there is, and I hate to keep overusing the word urgency, but suddenly, I think it's fair to say, the people who are pushing these bad bills, as you call them, are scared of something. They are terrified of something. And, and well, right, they're, they're scared they're not going to be able to win an election. Exactly. So again, if you want to win election, have the better ideas. If your ideas are that terrible that you think nobody's going to vote for them, time to get some new ideas. Exactly. Well, what, you know, and I, I tried to ask you about H.R. 1, I believe it is, and H.R. 4. Are they what you're talking about that's going through, or pending at least, on the federal level? H.R. 1, the For the People Act, has already passed the House, that's and right. it will be S. 1 in the Senate. It has not officially been introduced in the Senate, though they have reserved the number. So, as I mentioned, for the people, as all 50 states will have early voting, mm. all 50 states will have no excuse absentee voting, all 50 states will have online voter registration. Hard to believe, but Mississippi and Wyoming, and there's a couple of other states, they do not have online voter registration. All states will have automatic voter registration, meaning that if I go to the DMV and I am conducting business at the DMV, I'm there to get a new license because I've moved to a new county. Well, the DMV will automatically update my voter registration. We have states like Georgia trying to say, no, 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 you are going to have to opt in to have that happen rather than opt out. Uh. So, you, you know, just all these things. Now, here's two other very important things that the For the People Act does. Virginia is still, we have not totally changed our Constitution yet. We're working on it. We are a lifetime felony disenfranchisement state. Mm. So if you are convicted of a felony, even if you never spend one day in jail, just by having that conviction, that means that you are unable to vote until your voting rights are restored by the governor. Now, Governor McAuliffe helped to make that kind of a more simplified process. Mm -hmm. The For the People Act includes uh, John Conyers' Democracy Restoration Act, which says, upon release from prison in your exit package, there will be a voter registration form, and you will now be able to vote, which is really, really, really important. So in Florida, 
in 2018, I believe it was, when the citizens of Florida, 64% of them said, yes, we support that. People have done their time. Now they are out of prison. If they go to work, they have to pay taxes. They have the right to vote and determine how those taxes are spent. Well, the Florida legislature immediately turned around and said, whoa, not so fast. We're not going to allow people to vote until they paid all their fines and fees, and then promptly refused to let people know what their fines and fees were mm. so they could pay them. The uh, uh, For the People Act fixes this. Oh, good, good. Because isn't that when you're in jail, you are, you are, you have fees and so forth that you have to pay, even though you're in jail and you can't, have, you don't have a job. I mean, is that what... well? Well, in in some jails, yes, there uh -huh. are some prisons that charge you per day, like you were staying in a hotel. Hotel, I know, I've heard that. I just can't believe. Yeah, it. I, I was going to say, I I don't remember anybody comparing a prison stay. That oh gosh, it was just like that time I spent in the Hilton. Yes, I know. Gee, <laughs> I know, but it's not funny. And also, by the way, people understandably, when Andrea and I get on the phone, we are talking about is today and other days voter suppressions that negatively impact primarily people of color, but also the physically challenged voting locations. She, she, she often mentions <laughs> rural areas where you can't even get to a polling place, and when you know where it is and you're trying to get there, they move it or close it at the last minute. And of course, non-English speaking voters, where English is a second language at best, and there are a lot of people, a lot of people, and being purged from voting rolls. Any words about how purging is going on or still going on or, or rekindled in the states that you are working through? Well, in one of the bills that passed the Georgia Senate, SB 241, they are attempting to bring back basically interstate cross-check, which was proven to, in so many instances, be wrong. It's where they compare the names of voters in one state with the names of registered voters in another state and go, oh my gosh, we've got a match. This person must be voting twice. Uh, no, that's a father and his son who happen to have the same name. You didn't look at the junior and the senior because you're only looking at their name. Hmm. And, you know, when you compare names across 22 states, of course you're going to come up with people who have the same name. They just do, known as a coincidence, not voter fraud. Those Excellent. of us in the business say, look, we have a hard enough time getting people to vote once, let alone allegedly <laughs> voting multiple times. No, prove that that is happening. If I claim that you broke into my house and stole something. Number one, I am going to have to swear that something was stolen and show how someone probably broke into my house. I can't just make something up. All right. I know you're you're on press for time today, and I just want to ask one last question, and that is, how do we, listening to the show today, find out more about centerforthecommonground.org and and to be a part of this voting bank to to save our democracy? How do we do that? I'm glad you asked that question. Just go to center for commonground.org and it's for f o r 
centerforcommonground.org. At the top on our menu bar, we've got Georgia, we've got Arizona, eventually there may be other states there, and that will allow you to get information about why we're calling those states. It will give you information about when and how you can sign up for training on our tools for calling voters and then connecting voters to their legislators. And then there will be phone banks that you can join where a lot of people got used to the idea in the old days before COVID of they would join a phone bank just as much for the social actions or you'd be with other people. So we have Zoom phone banks. They're online, but you can be a part of a phone bank and there'll be other people there and there'll be trainers there so that if you have a question, you can ask a trainer and we try to make it as much like a real if we were all in person phone bank as we can. Okay. So centerforcommonground.org Andrea Miller, the co-founder and advocate for voting rights for all people. Thank you so much, Andrea. I know it's it, it was tough to squeeze us in with the, uh, this time, all that you're doing in all the different states. But thank you so much for putting it together, and thank you for being on our show today. Really appreciate it. All the best to you, Andrea Miller. Everybody at centerforcommonground.org and all those people who now will rush to be of assistance and aid and join in this great cause. Thank you so much, Andrea Miller. All right. Take care. You too. Bye now. And I am waiting to be let into my 3.30 meeting. Hey, thank you. Bye-bye. And now, from WatchFireMusic.com, vocal artist Jenny Burton, singing... Who will heal the world? Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.
for all who ravenously tell the worst lie of all, the lie we tell ourselves. Favorably impressed by Senators Rand Paul and John Mason, cajoled by the opportunistic scallywags Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, hoodwinked by delinquents Devin Nunes and Trey Gowdy, then you are likely dangerously close to having your common sense sheared by the fork-tongued grandmaster of hypocrisy and deceit, whose every well-oiled syllable is calculated to cannibalize the citizenry's power of reason, while soiling the very mantle of statesmanship. Mitch McConnell when every Republican senator voted no to helping Americans while knowing the truth, the oft-touted superior USA education system, reliable infrastructure, and dependable power grids were myths long before COVID, but are now frigidly exposed by the corroded commitment of our chosen arrogance-filled human demitasses, led by a commander in moral bankruptcy, ranting tomfoolery sermons, waving the white supremacist flag of supreme violence when sore from losing, all while departing in the opposite direction of his directed target, anticipating celebrating in the safety of his Führer bunker among inner circle of self-deceived automatons. In lieu of the character to concede, the Putin pretender replays his ditty, the art of the deal dealing democracy decay by denying defenders under siege defenders. Proudly the vessels of fear programmed by the hateful venom of bushwhackers deteriorated democracy 20 January 2017 through 6 January 2021, contradicting the human value of workers essential to America's stability, while keeping their oath to prevent constitutional elections and medical health care personnel from keeping theirs, despite a global pandemic. These Republicans claim they're the party for small businesses, yet after forcing them to close and lose income to save lives from COVID variants, they are sacrificed within the conservative mantra of it's too expensive to care, believing our taxes are congressional private slush fund, remaining unmasked in lockstep with their current favorite son, evidently believing one day, just like a miracle, it will just disappear, the GOP averts its eyes from a half a million Americans dying alone. In callous alignment with ex-presidential hoax, Senators Graham of South Carolina, Gates of Florida, Gosser of Arizona, Brooks of Alabama, and the winner of them all, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, wipe their ill-gotten gain on our Constitution, accepting no shame for themselves. Such men dishonor their oath of office and country, for true patriots don't lie for traitors who incite scoundrels to beat Capitol Police or Asian Americans or attempt to hang a sitting vice president, or, believing black lives never mattered, protect those who randomly kill them. When conservative is now defined by our current Congress and red state legislatures attempting to limit our American privilege to vote, and further, by extremists invading our military and police forces, how, in the wake of events between 3 November 2020 and 6 January 2021, are we to entrust our economy, our health care, and our children's climate change future with elected leaders unwilling to condemn violence against our constitutional law in the land of opportunity? 
Until we recapture our connective roots with a thriving middle class, we will not be able to scale the Rubicon separating militants believing in corporatism's financially rented might is right and patriotic self-sacrificing Samaritans working multiple shifts as essential first responders all across America, living with the trauma and potential of losing another grocery store clerk, bank teller, tutor, doctor, nurse, significant other, veteran, teacher, student, friend, grandparent, family member, or patient. Those, whether by acclamation, consenting silence, or glazed over by redundant media, who actively or passively stand back and stand by, while the malice aforethought of proud boys and girls, QAnon and Faustian oath-keepers, heap death upon Americans, are accessories sharing an enormous portion of the treasonous responsibility for the misinformation, economic desperation, and anti-democracy insurrection heaped upon the innocent, courageous, and patriotic souls who understand that, one, tear-gassing a peaceful Black Lives Matter protest for a Bible photo op is not grounds for sainthood. Two, it is neither patriotic nor is there any glory in using old glory to attack Capitol Police. Three, those who deem themselves superior to any other human being for reasons of color, gender, sex, religious beliefs, or income are paranoid. Four, all who commit violence proclaiming it is an act of loving God and country are simply traitors in spirit and fact to Lincoln's Gettysburg Address and America's Constitution, particularly its Bill of Rights and Fourteenth Amendment. So, let us now affirm we hold these truths to be self-evident. All of us are created equally deserving of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, as long as we do not infringe on the constitutional rights of others through harassment, intimidation, or violent acts. Two, indeed the poor will always be with us, but... Our rising tide that rejects corporatism's greed and dishonest leaders will lift all our boats. And finally, each of us is blessed with talents which, once discovered and shared beyond family and self, will truly save the world from human destruction. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.